So here we are, guys, in March of 2023, right? And as I look around and as I begin to observe, I can sense in the natural as well as the physical, as well as the spiritual, that a lot of people have already thrown in the towel, right? I can tell that there are a lot of people who have already thrown in the towel. I can see that a lot of people have reverted back to what's normal. I can tell that a lot of people have reverted back to what's easy. I can tell that a lot of people have reverted back to what's comfortable. I can tell that a lot of people have reverted back to what they are used to. Right? I believe as a whole, I believe as a nation, I believe as a society that a lot of us are drained. I believe that mentally a lot of us are drained. I believe that physically a lot of us are drained. I believe that even for some of us spiritually, we are drained. And to be honest, a lot of us have lost our hope. A lot of us have lost our hope. Some of us, we don't have any hope anymore. And a lot of us have lost the hope we talked about before how some people truly believe that seeing is believing. We talked about before how a lot of people or how a lot of us, we got to see something before that we, before we believe it. However, in the kingdom, we are called to walk by faith, meaning that we won't always see it first. We are called to believe before we see. We are called to believe it before we can see it. Before we get started tonight, I want you guys to type that in the comment. Come on and activate yourself. Come on and begin to stir yourself up. Hallelujah. Go ahead and begin to push through. Go ahead and begin to engage. Go ahead and begin to participate in what God is trying to do your life on tonight. I know I don't told you guys before that everything that we do is intentional. Everything that we do is on purpose. Everything that we do is by purpose. So go ahead and type in the comments on tonight that we are called to believe it before we see it. Tonight's topic, tonight's topic for those of you who like to take notes is the danger of doubt. The danger of doubt. The danger of doubt, right? And tonight's focus scripture is John 20, 24 through 29. John 20, 24 through 29, right? And I'm gonna go ahead and read it. Um, we're in John 20, 24 through 29, right? So now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe what you guys are telling me, right? And so after the eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came and the doors being shut, stood in the mist and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands, reach your hand here and put into my side. Do not 
not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And then he went on to say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So blessed are those who have not seen what I'm going to do, but they have believed. Blessed are those who have the ability to believe even when they don't see it yet. Blessed are those who have the ability to believe what I say that I'm going to do, even though they can't feel it yet, even though they cannot sense it yet. Blessed are those who believe even when they have not seen it yet. Right? I am not sure if you've ever heard of Thomas in the Bible before, but a lot of people like to call him Doubting Thomas, right? They call him Doubting Thomas because when he was told by the other disciples that, you know, they had seen the Lord, Thomas doubt that this is true until he sees Jesus and Jesus' wounds for himself, right? Eight days later, Jesus appeared to the disciples. And this time he also appeared to Thomas and he told Thomas to touch and see. He said, touch and see for yourself, touch and see my wounds from the cross and believe. So when Thomas felt and saw the wounds for himself, that's when he believed, right? So the, the significance here is that it took Jesus coming himself for Thomas to believe. It took Jesus coming himself for Thomas to believe. How many many of us are like that today? How many of us need to physically see or see a sign before we believe? How many of us got to have proof, hallelujah, before we believe what God has promised us? How many of us got to see it before we believe it? I'll be the first to admit that I have doubted in the past. I'll be the first to admit that I have doubted God in the past. And I'll be honest with you guys, sometimes doubt still tries to arise. Doubting is something that I have to cast down on a day-to-day basis. Doubting is something that I have to rebuke on a day-to-day basis, right? Doubting can be defined as expressing or feeling uncertain or having a lack of conviction or being skeptical about something. It can also mean that you're questioning whether or not something is going to really happen. Or it can also mean that you think that something is unlikely to happen. So anytime that we pray and anytime doubt begins to enter, it's pretty much like we're saying, okay, God, I'm going to pray about this, but it's unlikely that you're really going to do what you said you're going to do. Okay, God, I'm going to pray pray about this, but I feel uncertain about this. Okay, God, I'm going to pray your will, but I don't have enough confidence in you. I don't really trust you like I say I do. God, I don't really trust you like I say I do. Mark 11, 24 says this, therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them, right? So if this is scripture, then why is there still doubt in our hearts and our minds? Doubt normally comes in when we begin to compare our own progress against the progress of others. 
Doubt normally comes in when there is comparison that has entered into your life. Doubt normally comes in wherever comparison is present. If comparison is present in your life, then you automatically know that doubt is somewhere hanging around there. Sometimes doubt will try to come in when we compare our current life or our current situation or our current prayer to a past situation that we've dealt with before. Some of us have dealt with some prayers. We have prayed some prayers and now we're in a different situation. And because God didn't come through how we expected him to come through last time, we're comparing this time to that time. But how many of you know that God is wanting to do something completely new and something completely completely different in your life. The root word of doubt is dubatar, D-U-B-I-T-A-R-E, which means to hesitate or to waver. When you doubt something, you're wavering. When you doubt something, it's just like you saying, I think I believe you, but maybe I don't. I think I believe you, God, but maybe I don't. I think I believe that you're going to deliver me, but maybe I don't. I think I believe that you're going to help me get to point A from point A to point B, but I think I don't. I think that you are going to heal me, but I think I don't. I think that you are going to provide for me in my household, but I think I don't. I think that you're going to make a way out of no way, but I think I don't. I think I believe your word, but I think I don't. When you doubt, it's like you're wavering between two opinions. One of the dangers of doubt is unbelief, right? And unbelief leads to a lack of faith. In Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he reward those who earnestly seek him, right? Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seeks him, right? So this is where I want y'all to stick with me right now. Let's get this clear. Where there is no faith, I want you to understand that you are not pleasing God. Where there is no faith, faith is not what you say out of your mouth. Faith is not those affirmations. Faith is not what you only say out of your mouth, but it has everything to do with what you are doing. Faith is an action word. It's not saying, God, I believe, but your actions are showing otherwise. Somebody need to say, I need, I'm going to need the actions to back it up in this season. I am just in a point of my life where I'm going to have to start taking action and where I'm also going to need actions around me to My God, actions around me. If you're called to me, if you're called to be in my life, your actions are going to have to match what you're saying out of your mouth. Somebody need to type, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap, huh? Talk is cheap. You can say a lot of things, but what are you doing? Talk is cheap. You can say one thing, but what is it that you are really doing? You can say that I walk by faith and not by sight, but what are your actions showing? If you're walking by faith and not by sight, what is that you are showing? What are your actions showing in this season? You can say anything to me, hallelujah, but what are your actions saying? You can say, hallelujah, you love me today, but your actions will be showing a whole nother thing tomorrow. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. 
Talk is cheap. So let's let's make this real clear on tonight. Where there is no faith, you are not pleasing God. So we got to get to a point where we believe God in season and out of season. We got to get to a point where we believe God in season and out of season. In season and out of season. You may be declaring something. You may be declaring one thing. You can get up every morning and you can declare one thing, but what are you really believing? You can get up in the morning and you can say 50 million times that I'm a millionaire, but what are your actions showing? You can get up in the morning and you can fix that fake plate. Like people have told you to fix your plate for your future husband. He's going to appear. No, what are your actions showing? Are you preparing yourself to be somebody's wife? What are you doing? in this season to prepare yourself to be somebody's wife. Hallelujah. What are your actions saying and showing in this season? We have to get to a point where we believe God regardless of what we see. We got to get to a point where we believe God even when we're even when what we're praying for seems impossible. What is it going to take for you to get to a place where you no longer doubt God? What is it going to take for you to get to a place to what you expect, to where you have expectation for him to move in your life? What is it going to take for you to get to that place? Some of you may be saying right now, I don't have a lack of faith. Or some of you may be saying, I don't really doubt God. But what are your actions showing? What are your emotional intelligence showing? Hallelujah. When you go to bed at night, are you dealing with all type of fear? Are you dealing with all type of anxiety? What is what is what is your emotional stability? What is it showing right now? You may say, I don't have any doubt in my heart. What are your actions showing? Are your actions showing otherwise? Do you believe that God is going to deliver you? Do you believe that God can make all things new? Do you believe, hallelujah, that God is a way maker? What are you believing in this season? What are you believing God for in this season? The first step in identifying that you deal with the spirit of doubt Well, the first step is identifying that you deal with the spirit of doubt. That's going to be the first step because a lot of us don't even realize that we operate in the spirit of doubt. A lot of us don't even realize that doubt is something that we struggle with. A lot of us don't even realize that doubt is something that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. So doubt arises when you start comparing yourself to others. We already talked about that. Doubt also arises when you when something new is presented, when a new opportunity is presented, when a new door is getting ready to open. That's when doubt loves to show up. That feeling that you get in your stomach that this may not work out. That feeling that you get in your stomach that this may not work out. This this relationship may not work out. This new job may not work out. This new position may not work out. I may not really get healed. I may really I may be broke for the rest of my life. Doubt begins to show up when something new is presented. What is something new? A lot of us we have never seen other people hit 
six or more figures in our lives or in our family. We haven't seen that. So that's something new that's being presented. And anytime something new is being presented, doubt will try to creep up in your mind. A lot of us, we've never seen successful marriages around us. And so when something new is being presented, doubt will try to creep creep up in your mind and make you think that this will never happen for me. When you've never seen people build from the ground up or build from scratch, you'll start to believe that that can never happen for you. So that lets me know that doubt has everything to do with what we see. So what is the, what are your surroundings like? What are you looking at? What are you consuming? What is it that you are seeing? Isaiah 43 and 19 says, behold, I do something new and suddenly it will spring forth. Will you even recognize it? Will you even recognize when God sends something new in your life? Will you even recognize when a new opportunity is being presented to you? Will you even recognize when something new is springing forth? Will you even recognize it? Sometimes we can become so accustomed to what's familiar because change and anything new is scary and uncomfortable. And so when something new is being presented to you, that's when doubt tries to knock on your door. Another sign of doubt is that you feel feel fearful of everything. You feel fearful of everything. You're afraid of failure. Say, for instance, you tried something before in the past. And it did not work out how you wanted it to work out. You'll be afraid to try again because you remember what that embarrassment felt like last time. You remember what that hurt felt like last time. You remember what it felt like when people didn't support you how you wanted them to support you. You remember what it felt like when people laughed at you. You remember what it felt like when people put their mouths on you. You remember what it felt like. So because of that, because of the trauma that you're feeling and because of what you were experiencing, you probably went through a terrible breakup that you thought was going to work out where you thought he was the one where you thought he would be your husband but you you went through or you experienced a breakup and because of that you don't want to try again you probably tried to build something before you probably tried to build a business before and it probably failed and because of that you don't want to try anything else again you're do- you're done with trying most of the time we're also concerned with what other people will say or think. A lot of times we doubt God and we doubt ourselves and we doubt whether or not the situation will get better because we are concerned about what other people will say or think. A lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with believing what God would do but you're afraid to try again. You're afraid to try something new because you are afraid of what people are going to say. You're afraid of people putting their mouths on your situation. You're afraid of appearing that you don't have it all together. You're afraid of looking like a rookie. 
You are afraid of looking like you are not an expert. I heard a podcast last week and it said that you're going to have to get comfortable with not knowing everything. You're going to have to get comfortable and be okay with stepping out there. I know that we live in a society where nowadays you got to look like you know it all. You got to look like you have it all together. But how many of you are willing to show up and admit that I don't know everything, but at least I'm out here trying? I don't know everything, but at least I'm doing something. I don't have it all together, but at least I'm trying. I haven't seen a successful marriage come from my bloodline, but I'm going to try. I haven't seen a millionaire come from my family, but at least I'm out here trying. We got to get to a point where we are not going to no longer worry about what other people got to say. Hallelujah. When they are the ones that are not walking in our shoes. They didn't come from the hell that you came from. They didn't come from the background that you came from. They didn't deal with the struggles that you had to deal with. Who am I talking to on tonight? Are y'all with me on tonight? Another sign of doubt is that you need to be in control over every situation. Another sign of doubt is that you need to be in control over every situation. How many control freaks do we have on this call? How many people know they need to be in control of everything? You you just gotta be in control over everything. Like, like if your hand not on it, then listen, I feel like it, they may not do it right. It may go wrong. I can't trust everybody. I can't trust everybody to do things how I do it. Like how many of us need to be in control over everything? The type of, you know, when you need to be in control over everything because you don't want nobody to help you. You know, when you need to be in control over everything because you the type of person that's always got to say, you always saying, I got it. You always saying, I got it. I got it. I'm good. I don't, I, don't, I don't want nobody to help me. I don't need nobody to help me. I'll do it myself. Where are those people who are always saying, I'll do it myself? You, you're saying that you'll do it yourself because you need to be in control over everything. You're afraid to lose that control. So you'll pray for the relationship to thrive. But then you'll manipulate the situation and you'll try to manipulate the outcome to ensure that it's working the way that you want to work, that you want it to work. You'll pray for the job, but then you'll lie on the application. You'll pray for the apartment or the house, but you'll lie. You'll manipulate the situation because you believe that God is not big enough, that that if I pray, he's going to need my help, that if I pray for something that he's going to need me to help him, he's going to need my help. He's going to need my help. Who am I talking to on tonight? Let's pause for the call really quick and let's type in the comments that God's plan for my life is established. God's plan for my life is established. You need to get that down in your system that God's plan for my life is established. His plan for your life is already established. It doesn't need any manipulation. It doesn't need any manipulation. Another sign of doubt is that you are afraid to make mistakes. You are afraid to make mistakes. You doubt not only God's ability, but your ability as well. 
You doubt not only God's ability, but you doubt your ability as well. God's plan doesn't need manipulation. However, God does need for us to partner with him. His plan doesn't need manipulation, but he does need for us to partner with him. Right. So we know that James 2, 14 and 26 says that faith without works is dead. So you can pray and have faith. But after you do that, then what is it that you are going to do? I know this message may sound simple. I know it may sound elementary. But sometimes things keep happening in our lives over and over and over again because God needs to take you back to the basics. He needs you. He needs to take you back to the basics. He needs to take you back to the basics because you don't jumped on level 100 and now you're drowning because you forgot about the basic. You forgot about the basic principles. You forgot about the basic principles. You forgot what it's like to operate in faith. You forgot what it's like, hallelujah, to walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11 and 7 says this, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the word and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith, right? So first of all, I love Hebrew 11. I love the entire uh, uh, book of Hebrews, but Hebrews 11, I love it. Hebrews 11, it sets the foundation and it sets the standard of what it's like to walk by faith. You should read it sometime. You should read Hebrews 11. If you know that you've been struggling in faith, if you know what you've been hearing people talk about faith, but you know you haven't been operating in faith, you need to read Hebrews 11. Noah, Noah was warned about things that he had not even seen. How many times have we been warned about things that we haven't seen? How many times have we been warned about things that we have not even seen? This is every single day. Every day we are warned. We are warned in scriptures. We are warned in the Bible. We are warned when we listen to sermons like this one. We are warned when we dream. We are warned when we look in the mirror. We are warned when we look at our lives. We are warned when we look at, look at our bank accounts. We are warned when we look at our children. We are warned when we look at the type of place that we work at. We are warned when we look at what triggers us. We are warned when we look at the type of relationships that we end up in. We are warned, hallelujah, when we look at our life last year versus where it's at this year. We are warned when we look at our lives, how it was five years ago, based on where it is now. We are warned. Every single day, we are warned. So what do we need to do in order to remove doubt and act on faith, right? It says that in holy fear, Noah built an ark to save his family. It says that in holy fear, Noah built an ark to save his family. So we are going to have to get to a place where we get some holy fear on the inside of us. Holy fear is a reverence and an awe towards the Lord because of who he is and because of who we are. Holy fear 
is reverence and awe towards the Lord because of who he is. Because of who he is. Because of who he is. I know y'all heard this song, um, this old song. I, I can't remember how it goes exactly, but I do remember bits and pieces of it. And she said, because of who you are, I'll give you praise. Because of who you are, I choose to worship you. Because of who you are, I will lift my hands and say, Lord, I worship you because of who you are. That's that's what having a holy fear looks like. That's what what's having a holy fear sounds like. If a lot of us can be honest, we don't, we don't operate in holy fear. We operate in fear of the world. So there are three kinds of fear and we're almost done. There are three kinds of fear in life. There's a healthy fear. There's a harmful fear. And there's a holy fear. There's a healthy fear, a harmful fear, and there is a holy fear. Healthy fear is when you're watching for deers, when you're driving on those dark back roads, the dirt roads, and you're watching for fears. It is healthy because you're afraid of crashing your car into that deer, or it's healthy because you're afraid of that deer running out. So you're being mindful of your surroundings. You're watching your surroundings. You're being watchful. So that is a healthy fear, right? A harmful fear is when you are fearful for no reason at all. A harmful fear is when you are fearful for no reason at all. It's when fear has crippled you. It's fear of the unknown. It's fear of death. It's fear of something happening to you with no evidence. It's that fear that they talk about. Um, What do they say? False evidence appearing real. You don't have any real reason to be afraid. You don't have any real reason to be afraid, but yet you are operating in fear. You're afraid that things are going to happen to you and your children. You're afraid that things are going to happen to you, but you don't have any evidence to even be afraid. This is the kind of fear that is physically as well as spiritually harmful. And then the third fear is holy fear. Holy fear is the kind of fear that says, God, I adore you. God, I honor you because you are holy, because you are righteous, because you are good. You are never failing. You are a way maker. I trust you. I trust you to be my father. It is not a crippling fear that a slave would have up against his master. It's a loving fear that a a child would have with his father. A holy fear is the type of fear that a child would have with their father. Right? Because you respect your mom, because you respect your grandmother. When she tells you to put some clothes on after you just had that baby before going outside, even though you don't feel that it's necessary, even though even though you feel like it's 75 degrees outside, you're going to do it because you respect and you love and you honor her. That's a holy fear. That's what it's like to have a holy fear, God, even though I feel like, you know, what you're telling me in the direction that you're telling me, even though I feel like it's not going to change anything, I'm still going to get up and pray. I'm still going to lift my hands and praise you. I'm still going to say yes to your will, Lord. I'm still going to say yes to your way, Lord. I'm still going to live a life of obedience, God. I'm still going to have boundaries, God. I'm still going to live a life of purity, God, even though it feels like 
like I may not get caught, even though it feels like a lot of people don't know what I'm doing over here behind closed doors, even though it feels like a lot of people don't know what I'm doing behind the scenes, I'm still going to live my life the right way, God, because I have a holy fear, because I reverend you, God. I honor you, God. I adore you, God. I believe you are my father, God, and I respect you. That's what's having a holy fear. That's the type of holy fear that we need to carry. Fearing the Lord is the wisest thing that you can do. And it breaks the spirit of doubt off of your life. Fearing the Lord is the wisest thing that you can do. And it breaks the spirit of doubt off of your life. How many of you guys respect the Lord? I know you say you love him, but do you respect him? Right? I know that you say you love the Lord with all your heart, but do he have your heart? Do the Lord really have your heart? Do you really love him like you say you love him? I know I know you say, listen, Lord, I love you, but do the, do the Lord have your heart or do the world have your heart? Who has your heart? Who, who really has your heart? Like we got to do a heart check every single day. You got to do a heart check every single day. Like who has your heart? You know who has your heart. <laughs> because nine times out of 10, the, pe the people or the thing or the person that has your heart, what else do they have? They have your time. <laughs> right? Let's be real on tonight. Nine times out of 10, the person that have your heart, they have your time. So who has your heart? Proverbs 1 and 7 says this. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and, and instruction, right? So by having a holy fear, It'll make you want to pick up the Bible in the morning and, and read it before you go to bed at night because you understand that you need that wisdom and you need that instruction flowing through your veins. You need that wisdom. I need that direction. I may be getting up. I may be running late, God, but I just need a touch from you, God. I just need a word from you, God. I just need to tap into, Father God, what, what would you have for me to do today? God, I need you to lead and guide my day today. I know what it's like to go about my day not allowing God to lead and guide me. I know what it's like to step into relationships and not allow God to lead and guide me. I know what it's like to make financial decisions without using wisdom and without using instruction. I know what it's like to, to say yes before I have even given God a yes. I know what it's like to say yes before I even have gotten direction or clarity from God. Are y'all with me on tonight? Are y'all with me on tonight? By having a holy fear, it'll make you want to do things differently. It'll make you want to live your life differently. It'll make you want to do things differently when you have a holy fear. How do you think Noah was able to build the ark? He had a holy fear. He obeyed God. He stepped out on faith and God provided everything that he needed to build that ark. It came with his holy fear. It came with faith. 
It came with obedience, holy fear, faith, and obedience. If Noah would have doubted, he would have never built an ark. If Noah would have doubted the warning and the instruction that God gave him, he would have never went forth to build an ark. In Genesis, God gave Noah instruction, right? In Genesis, God gave Noah instruction. He said that the ark, basically the ark was like a genetic bank. So in Genesis 6, 18 through 21, it says you'll board the ship. Now, this is the instruction given to Noah. It says that you'll board the ship. Your sons, your wife, your sons will come on board with you. You are also to take two of each living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile. Two of everything so as to preserve the lives along with yours, right? If Noah would have never built the ark, humanity would have been wiped out. If Noah would have never followed the instruction of God, humanity would have been wiped out completely. So holy fear is, is needed again. Holy fear is needed. Holy fear leads to faith, which then leads to obedience. There's all over the all of the word of the Lord, all over the Bible. You find scriptures like the fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied and will not be visited by harm. How many of you, your decisions are leading to life? How many of you are satisfied? Or how many of you have been visited by harm lately? If you've been visited by harm lately, sometimes that's a sign that you haven't been operating in holy fear. Sometimes that's a sign that you have stepped outside of what God is telling you to do. Sometimes that's a sign that there is no wisdom moving and operating in your life. Sometimes that's a sign that you are not being obedient. Obedient leads to protection. Having holy fear, it leads to protection. It brings protection. I don't know about you guys, but we need protection in this hour like never before. The word also says that if you fear the Lord, you will be content and you'll be satisfied in a way that sin or the world cannot provide. It says that if you fear the Lord, you will be content and satisfied in a way that sin or the world cannot provide. Fearing the Lord leads to the avoidance of sin. It leads to the avoidance of sin. It leads to you not even want to get into the mix of certain things that you used to get into the mix with. It leads you not to want to deal with relationships that you used to deal with. Having the fear of the Lord, it brings wisdom. It brings knowledge. It brings understanding. And sometimes it brings discipline. I feel like I'm losing y'all. And I hope that y'all are able to take this word because we don't get on here by happenstance. We don't get on here just to get on here. We get on here so that we can apply these things to our lives so that we are not in cycle after cycle after cycle. Fearing the Lord leads to the avoidance of sin. You cannot fear God and commit sin at the same time. You really can't fear God and commit sin at the same time. You may want to do it. You may have a desire to do it, 
But your relationship with God is going to be bigger than that desire. Your reverence and that holy fear that you have for God is going to be bigger than that desire. And how do I keep my holy fear refreshed? By staying in the presence of God, by staying in his word, by renewing my mind daily, by reading his word. When was the last time you picked up the Bible? When was the last time you read the scripture? When was the last time you invited God into your heart? When was the last time you invited God into your home? When was the last time you said, God, I don't want to do this thing if you're not going to come with me? When was the last time you said, God, I don't want to get into this situation if you're not going to meet me there, God? When was the last time you said, God, I cannot raise these kids on my own? When was the last time you said, God, I can't build this business on my own? When was the last time you said, God, I can't do schooling alone, God? Everything that I do, I'm going to need you with it, God. Me driving this car, I'm going to need you with me, God. I'm going to need you in every decision that I make, God, even in the grocery store. God, I'm going to need you with me walking up and down the aisles. When was the last time you got to a point where you said, God, I cannot do this without you? When was the last time you got to a place where you recognized and you realized that you cannot do this thing called life without God? Fearing God will lead you away from wrongdoing. And that's why Proverbs 14 and 17 says this, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. When you fear the Lord, you'll try your best not to step into anything that can cause you to step outside of the will of God. I always tell you guys this, one of the most scariest or one of the most dangerous places to be is outside of the will of God. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you do all of these religious things. If you have no desire to be inside of the will of God, that's a scary place to be. A lot of us, we don't want to be inside of the will of God right now because we are not ready to put down what it is that's keeping us outside of the will of God. A lot of us, we are not ready to say yes to God because we are not yet ready to put down the things that are keeping us outside of the will of God. And I know messages like this, it don't cause you to want to drop fires in the comments. And I know messages like this, it don't cause you to want to run around your homes. Hallelujah. But it's going to be messages like this. Hallelujah. That brings deliverance in your life. It's going to be messages like this that causes you to get real. See, see, we're going to have to get real. I'm so tired of the fake. I'm so tired of the Phony. I've had enough of fake and I had enough of phony. I had, I know what it's like to put on good, beautiful clothes. And I know what it's like to say churchy things and also live a double life. I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired of that. Oh my God. The Bible says that if you are lukewarm, he will spit you out. You're either going to be hot or you're either going to be cold. But if you are lukewarm, he will spit you out. Do you want, are you lukewarm? Are you lukewarm? Are you lukewarm on tonight? Revelations 3, 15 through 16 says this. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. 
with that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and you are, you are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So you walking around here trying to be comfortable. You walking around here trying to stay in the mix, but you don't even know that. Being lukewarm and being in the mix will cause you to be spit out. So you can either be hot or you can either be cold. And like I said, I know these messages like this, they don't sound good. And I know these messages like this, they'll cause you. Uh, you got you be like, God, I ain't ready for all that yet. Now you, I'm not ready for all of that right now. What it look, what does it look like when you are lukewarm? <laughs> What does it look like when you are lukewarm? When you are lukewarm, that means that you still want to be in the mix. You want to be in between. You want to have one foot in and you want to have one foot out. You want to rock with God. Sometimes, sometimes you don't want to rock with God. You want to rock with God around certain people, but then when you're around everybody else who you can be comfortable with, you want to do your own thing and you want to do what you want to do. And I know a lot of y'all probably saying it ain't that deep, but I'm telling you by experience, I know that it's that deep. I'm telling you by experience, I know what it's like to live a double life. I know what it's like to look good on the outside, but you are doing all type of sin behind the scenes. I know what it's like. And I'm not only talking about sexual sin. I'm not only talking about that. We got to get to a place where we have integrity in everything that we do. You can say one thing, but what are you doing behind closed doors when ain't when you think ain't nobody watching in the in the late hours of the night when you think ain't nobody watching when you're doing all this fake and phony stuff when you're doing things that you have no business doing where you're dibbling and dabbling in things what are you doing? We got to get to a place where we are serious about this walk. Where we are serious about this walk. How many of you guys are telling God to just wait a minute? Just wait a minute, God. I got to get myself together. Wait a minute, God. I ain't ready. Wait a minute, God. I got to see how long, you know, this relationship. Some of you, my God. How many of you telling God, just wait, God, just wait a minute. Just wait a minute, God. I got to see whether or not this relationship is going to really work out before I say yes to you, God. I got to see whether or not this job is really going to work out before I say yes to you. I got to see whether or not this is really going to work out before I say yes to your will and before I say yes to your way. How many of you guys got God on hold? How many of you got God on hold and he's just listening to the whole music and you just got him on hold because you're not ready to put down whatever it is that you need to put down in this season to get to your next level. As long as you have God on hold, how can he move in your life? How can he answer you? How can he lead you? How can he guide you? How long are you going to have him on hold? How long are you going to have him in the back closet? How long are you going to have him in the back room? How long are you going to have him waiting for waiting? You think he got you on hold, but you really got him on hold. Do you have God on hold? Do you have him on hold? All right, guys, so I hope you enjoyed this clip for this message from our prayers and Bible studies that we have every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time via Zoom, as well as in the Praying Single Mom community. We would love to have you join us in our free community. Um, we're going to be doing greater works and greater things uh, here in the near future, opening up mentorship, opening up subscriptions, and even having some live events. So you don't want to miss what God is doing in this ministry in this movement so be sure to head over to facebook and join our community at the praying single mom community
Be blessed.